Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Our scripture reading this morning is from Isaiah 52, 7 through 10. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, you sentinels, lift up their voices. They shout together for joy, for in plain sight they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth, shout together for joy, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. This is the word of the Lord. And may be seated, and thank you, everyone. Thank you, Dr. Riegerd, for coming out today. To my friends that I sang with in college, it's good to hear you guys sing again. Thank you all for coming out. There are more of you than we thought there were going to be. I knew we had Christians here. I did. I just knew it. Just a little side note. This is the last Sunday for uh, one of, one of the, the folks I just ad- admire so much. Uh, our friend Caleb Gibbs, uh, who dressed up. Caleb, you've got to stand up and show us the suit, man. Look at, look at this as a gift to us. Man. <laughs> Caleb is now going to be a dorm dad at Calvin College in Ohio, right? Is that right? It's what I said, Kenyon College in Ohio. (laughs) And we will miss you terribly. But like I told him yesterday, hi, Nemo, good to see you. But like I told him yesterday, we'll always keep seat for you. Appreciate you, and um, you'll be missed. You'll be missed. So, uh, and thank you to Britt and the parking lot elves. How many of you saw the parking lot elves out there today? Yes, thanks to all the folks who kind of made that work today. Listen, I, it's, it's December 25th, and some of you have interrupted your traditions to come and be a part of this, and it just means the world to us, to me. So thank you for being here. Now, I found a quote this week from Methodist theologian E. Stanley Jones that goes something like this. It is a liberating experience to find one's faith becoming simplified and centered in a person. Oh, because it's so good, I'm going to give this gift to you of reading it again, okay? It is a liberating experience to find one's faith becoming simplified and centered in a person. I think we make faith too hard sometimes. And I, and I want you to know, as, as your preaching pastor, it is my intention over the next 12 months, and we've already kind of begun, over the next 12 months, I, I'm going to take you with me on this particular journey of being completely preoccupied with this Jesus character. Every sermon will have something to do with Jesus. We will explore the ramifications, the implications of Jesus. And and what better day to do that than Christmas Day? 
Now, you might say to yourself, well, then why didn't you read one of the Christmas passages? Well, the thing is, this was a Christmas passage. You may just not have seen it just yet, but this passage in Isaiah is a pretty good passage in this series that we're calling Wonder. And you probably have heard it. What we're trying to do is give people an opportunity to recover the kind of wonder. I don't have my slides with me. I don't have any of this stuff. It feels like we're back in the 80s somehow, but I kind of like it's okay. Hymnals and no slides. What are we doing? How do you, how do, you do church with <laughs> hymnals and no slides? But wonder, the cover slide is Hazel's face. Hazel, who sang last night for all of you who were here to hear it last night. And you could just see the wonder all over her face. And you see something in her face that either you have had as a person of faith or you have as a person of faith or perhaps you wish you could rekindle as a person of faith. Maybe it's still something out in the future for you. You have heard words like faith, heard like Christ, words like Christianity, but you have yet to come to that place where your face could look like her face as it has to do with the wonder involved in knowing this Jesus. Well, that's what I want to recover not just for myself, but for you, for all of us, for a whole church. I want to explore the ramifications of Jesus throughout this entire year. Another quick disclaimer, because I want us to get out of here before one, right? Amen? Get out of here before one. My wife said, that's not funny. It's never funny when you do that. I'm, I'm going to read whole chunks of this. I've been working on this one for a long time. But I want to read it so that I make sure that I say what needs to be said so that I don't say what doesn't need to be said, and so that we stay on time. Okay. The hoped for recovery of wonder. I'm not sure if we can do it if we don't recover a sense of both God's greatness and God's goodness. You've heard the child's prayer, right? God is great and God is good. We are called to a childlike faith, and I believe that that childlike faith for an old, crusty adult like me can be rekindled if we learn how to hold together the greatness of God and the goodness of God. In fact, I'd say it like this, wonder is recovered when these two, greatness and goodness, are kept together. I am finding that wonder ebbs back when I consider who God is and how big God is, while also clinging to how God does how God goes about being God. And our best picture of God is found, friends, in the face of this infant Jesus. I'm starting to think that this Jesus, so small in all of the ways that we picture him today, I'm starting to think that this Jesus is a pretty big deal. <laughs> how big, you might ask. Well, have you ever actually deeply listened to the lyrics of the songs that we sing during the season? We, we sang one last night, it was Joy to the World, and if you really listen to these lyrics, it is actually startling, the level of audacity in this hymn written by Isaac Watts. So I'm just going to read you these verses, I'm going to read you three in a row, I just want you to just listen to how cosmic these words are, how far-reaching and creation-wide these words are. Joy to the world! The Lord has come, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. The next verse is joy to the earth, the savior reigns. Let all their songs employ while fields and floods and rocks and hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. 
Now, that is the line that ends the song. It's an interesting line with which to end the entire Christmas hymn. Notice that he invokes our term wonder, but it's the wonders of his love, not his strength, his authority, his power. When you look at the infant Jesus, when I look at the infant Jesus, is power the first thing that comes to mind? It's not. This is a far-reaching God who in Christ is making a creation-wide impact. This divine offer of grace and rescue can, will, and has already shaped the very fabric of reality. I don't think I can adequately tell you how big this moment is, the moment of the incarnation when God moves into our neighborhoods. The best I can do as your preacher, as a fellow believer, is point and testify. So hear me today as I do my best to point and testify. This God, now seen in the face of baby Jesus, changes everything, everything. And actually, you can hear it in Isaiah 52, as odd as that sounds. It's important that we understand these verses in Isaiah 52 were meant, first of all, for their original audience. Context matters. And this is how those returning from Babylonian exile heard and experienced this God of rescue who had now overcome their Babylonian captors. God was making a new way for God's people. The word Zion there means Jerusalem, sort of a nickname for the people of God. God was making a new way, a new hope, and a new future not because of Jerusalem's power, but because of God's power and authority, God's loving and relentless resolve. The God of rescue is added again. The God of the Exodus is added again. And it is something to behold, something more than words can convey. Isaiah, Isaiah as he often does now, because he can't get it all into the words, resorts to art and poetry. These words and this story tell us something about God. They tell us who God is, how big God is, and how far this God can reach. And at the same time, these words become lenses for us. Given what we have come to understand about God in Isaiah, we see the story of Christmas in books like Luke and then John with more clarity. The nativity, the singing of the angels, the testimony of the shepherds, the insight of Mary and Joseph, we can see it more clearly now. Isaiah's God is doing it again, coming to the rescue, offering new hope, new future beyond comprehension, and more than words can convey. We have no choice but to resort to art and testimony. Because that's who God is. That's who God is. And that is how big God is. But now let's for a moment explore how God will go about the rescue. Let's explore what Watts means by the phrase, the wonders of his love. But we're going to have to go back to Isaiah 52. And when you go back to Isaiah 52, the answer comes pretty quickly, like Isaiah 53. <laughs> now, Isaiah 53 is a chapter of scripture that we typically call one of these servant song pastors passages. So what you have here is this, the story of rescue, but you have in Isaiah 53 how it is that God will go about this rescue, and it is stunning. Are you ready for it? I'm going to read you a chunk of scripture. Did, uh, hopefully you're not disappointed that you came to church. I'm going to read you another chunk of scripture. You ready? 
Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Now again, while in full recognition of the original context for the original audience, We see and hear something here that gives us lenses to see and read and listen to stories about Jesus. In other words, in Jesus, God is at it again. The God of rescue is doing it again. And again, God will rescue in characteristic sorts of ways. God does not and will not coerce or overpower. God comes alongside. God will come so close that at times it's uncomfortable and even unbearable. God intends to identify with us. God in Christ comes close enough to suffer with and for us and sometimes because of us. God again chooses to love us, much of the time in spite of us, but God is still taken with us, smitten, you might say, holy, covenantally, stubbornly, present, and present for us. And it's in this place, in choosing to suffer love for us, that we can know for sure. And if you're visiting, watch this. God's mind about us is made up, and the news is good. So these two must be held together, the manger and the cross, the nativity, but also the death and the resurrection. We're not talking about two stories. We're talking about one story with two beautiful chapters and several others. Beautiful, haunting, challenging, wondrous, dangerous, joyous chapters. But throughout the story, God consistently tells us what we need to know. Isaac Watts, who wrote Joy to the World, also wrote when I survey the wondrous cross, which ends like this, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And make no mistake, and this is crucial to the recovery of wonder, relationship with God starts with God. It doesn't start with you. It doesn't start with me. Relationship with God starts with God. The extension of the grace of God seen most clearly in Jesus, the infant. Jesus, 
the crucified God. This is who God is, the God of creation-wide rescue and relief of new hope and new future. And this is how God does in solidarity, in vulnerability, in selfless love. Friends, God is great and God is good. One of my favorite Authors is a guy by the name of uh, Brennan Manning who was crucial in my recovery of wonder. And I've got a couple of quotes for you from his book, Reflections for Ragamuffins. Is there anyone in our midst who pretends to understand the awesome love in the heart of Abba of Jesus that inspired, motivated, and brought about Christmas? God entered into our world, not with the crushing impact of unbearable glory, but in the way of weakness, vulnerability, and need. On a wintry night in an obscure place, the infant Jesus was a humble, naked, helpless God who allowed us to get close to him. (laughs) And then there's this one. Christmas is the promise that the God who came in history and comes daily in mystery will one day come in glory. God is saying in Jesus that in the end, everything will be all right. Nothing can harm you permanently. No suffering is irrevocable. No loss is lasting. No defeat is more than transitory. No disappointment is conclusive. Jesus did not deny the reality of suffering, discouragement, disappointment, frustration, or death. He simply stated that the kingdom of God would conquer all of these horrors, that the Father's love is so lavish that no evil could possibly resist it. Ugh. So Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas from me, from us, your pastors, and from the God of rescue, the God whose mind about you is made up, the God whose mind about you is made up and that news is still good. And that's why we gather around this table every week to be reminded that relationship with God actually starts with God and that God's mind about us is made up and the news is this good. So if you're gonna help us today, why don't you go ahead and come up and prepare the table. Heavenly Father, bless these elements. Yes, Lord, we know it's simple pieces of bread and ultimately sips from a cup. But in your hands, it becomes something more. In your hands, God, it somehow is able to nourish and sustain us. What we hope today, God, is that somehow with the help of bread and cup, that we would be able to catch a glimpse of you and see you where we haven't seen you before. Maybe catch your whispering voice and hear you where we perhaps haven't heard you before. Just give us a glimpse of this grace that we see so clearly in the vulnerable infant Jesus. And remind us again, God, that it's not because you coerce or overpower us that we have life and hope and future. It's because you invite us. It's because you extend yourself to us. And in our yes, we are simply responding to the yes that starts with you and in your heart for us. If you are visiting with us today, around here we take communion each week. This is why we've gathered. Just so you know, we didn't gather because of the sermon today. We gathered because of this today. 
Christmas. And if you are visiting with us today, you are invited to participate, but you don't have to participate. All are invited, but none are compelled. Here's what will happen. In a second, I will ask you to stand to your feet, to exit your pew to the left, your left, and to come forward and approach the person holding a plate of bread. As you do, we ask that you come with hands cupped because what's coming to you comes as grace. You can't buy it, you can't charge it, we can't afford it anyway. It comes to you as grace. When you get this piece of bread, the person holding the bread is going to say to you, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Take that piece of bread, dip it into the cup. The person standing right next to that person is gonna be holding a cup. And when you do, that person will say, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And then take and eat and then circle back to your pew just find a place to pray. It, you can come, you're welcome to pray at one of these front kneeling altars. If you do, we won't assume anything. We'll just celebrate the fact that you are spending some time with God and I'll come by, put my hand on your head or neck or shoulder to let you know that you're not alone. If you go to one of the side padded altars, someone will meet you there to pray a prayer for healing, for healing. It might be physical, emotional. It might be spiritual. It might be familial but we'll pray that prayer for healing and you'll be anointed with oil. We don't think that the oil is magic. It is meant to be representative of the clinging presence of God in your life, the clinging and healing presence of God in your life, the companionship of God. And someone will pray that prayer or circle right back around and pray at your seats. If you would like to be reminded of the moment of your inclusion, of your baptism, there's a bowl here with a little bit of water in it. Just lightly touch the water and be reminded of the moment that you were included in the people of God, the moment of your baptism. Now, if you prefer something a, a little, if you are still concerned about the pandemic and, and disease, we completely understand and we still want you to participate. So Jason and Kate are in the back with masks on and everything is just the same, but they're just wearing masks and they will treat this whole thing the exact same way. If you prefer a prepackaged set of elements, that is also in the back. And I will have already done the liturgy, so you can just take and eat right then and there if you like, or back at your pew, whatever you would like. Again, all are invited. Well, John, do I even qualify to come to the table? If you know you need grace, and I'm in that boat, if you know you need the grace of God, then this table will always and each week be open for you. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread. He blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. And every time you eat of it, including Christmas day, 2022, remember me. In the same way, he took the cup and he held it up before them and said, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. And every time you drink of it, including today, Christmas day, 2022, remember me. And now if you would, all across the sanctuary, all of you, who would stand to your feet, exit your pews to the left, and come forward with your hands cupped to receive these gifts of God, meant to nourish and supply the people of God.
just have a few words as we guide now, as I guide us now into a time of prayer. I'll begin by making space for prayers of confession before turning it over to Jason for prayers of petition. I would say that if if you're interested in joining me on this journey to recover wonder, one of the best things that you can say to God is yes. Recognize again, first of all, that the, the first yes comes from God. God says yes to you. And then God extends God's self to you in so many ways. I hope you'll join me this week in saying more often a deeper and deeper yes. Let's pray. And so, Father, we, we gather today, and in so many ways, even in gathering, we are saying a yes to you. Now, we confess, Lord, that sometimes we lose the beat, lose the plot. There are competing voices that intimidate us and sometimes intoxicate us into a different direction. But today, in the stillness and the quietness and the smallness of the nativity, it seems like we can hear a little better. So as I get out of the way, would you pray your own prayer of confession that perhaps you have also, like me, have been conflicted and afflicted by some of these competing voices that sometimes can keep you from hearing the whispering yes of God. Before I conclude our prayer of confession, I want to get out of the way again, but I want to encourage you to pray a little different prayer, and it goes something like this. Say yes. Say yes to the God who seeks you. Now hear this as I turn it over to Jason. May the Almighty God have mercy on us and forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of the Spirit keep us in eternal life. And as we continue in these moments of prayer, would you just imagine with me as we pray that one issue in the world that your heart longs for there to be peace and joy for that one problem or issue in the world, in your city. And I want you to just take a few moments as we pray with that imagination. Could you pray that God would bring joy and peace to an area that you have a passion in your life, that you wish where brokenness could be restored and there would be peace where there's conflict? So would you pray towards that? Now I want you to think of that one person in your life who you know needs a special touch from God. That can be a healing touch. That can be a touch from God that you know they need 
hope where there is hopelessness, that one person who you're picturing now, who God is placing in your mind eye in that imagination, and would you pray for that person, that God's presence even now would come to them in joy and peace and holiness and righteousness. Now I want you to just pray for your community. That can be your home, that can be your household, that can be your school, your classroom, that can be your hospital, your church, your neighborhood. But whatever communities in which you find yourself, and some of you find yourself in many, would you pray for your communities at this time, the circles of influence that you run circles around, and would you pray for the joy of Christmas and the presence of Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, to be with those places that you call home. And God, together we pray for the lonely, the brokenhearted, the cold, those without homes. God, we pray for those who are incarcerated this Christmas. God, we ask that you be with those who this Christmas may be difficult because of the recent loss of a loved one where there's an empty seat at a table. God, we ask that your loving presence would meet each that we love right where they are with your loving, close presence. And God, we ask that your loving presence would continue to shape and form us to be your people each and every day and each and every week. And church, would you pray the Lord's Prayer together with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.